Hello, and welcome to this edition of Life's Tough. You can be tougher. Our first podcast was nearly two months ago. And since we started, we've had an impressive selection of intriguing guests and plenty of free-flowing conversation. I'm Dustin Plantholt, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has their own story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie or an HBO series like Sergeant Rudy Reyes was in. Yet when you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it. Or, to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another terrific show today with our featured guest, Lehman Baird, co-founder and chief scientist at the technology company Hedera Hashgraph. But before we begin, I want to welcome a new Life's Tough sponsor, CloudIvis.com, the people's cloud. CloudIvis is the platform that enables you to own the cloud and sell off your idle resources through our unique blockchain marketplace exchange and community portal. Start your free trial today by visiting www.cloudivus.com. That's www.cloudivus.com. Life's tough, but the cloud doesn't have to be. Lehman Baird, co-founder and chief scientist at the technology company Hedera Hashgraph. Hedera applications are used in a variety of data-driven industries. One of Hedera's primaries of focus is cryptocurrency a virtual currency that uses encryption algorithms to ensure security. Hedera provides technology that advances the inherent advantages of cryptocurrency transactions, namely that they can occur in secure, decentralized environments, using a protocol that provides the benefits of being direct, rapid, and low cost. Lehman is the inventor of what is known as the Hashgraph Distributed Consensus Algorithm, a technology that fortifies stored data records from cyber attacks and makes the data more resistant to malicious changes. With this algorithm, transactions can take place in a confidential manner without the need for trusted intermediaries. He is also co-founder and chief technology offer at Swirls. Swirls offers a software platform that allows developers to create trusted applications, which are always available without using central servers. In addition to his more than 20 years of experience with technology and startup enterprises, Lehman was a professor of computer science at the Air Force Academy and has been a senior scientist at several labs. He has a doctorate in computer science from Carnegie Mellon University. Let's bring him on now, Lehman Baird. Hey, Lehman, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So it says right here that you're based in, uh, no, not Alaska. You're based in Richardson, Texas, I believe. That is true. Close to Dallas. Close to Dallas. Yeah. So Richardson is north of Dallas. Um, well, That's right. We're looking forward to conversation. So talking about this world of cryptocurrency and what's happening in the market, what exactly is Hedera Hashgraph and, and how does Hedera play with this market? Or better yet, what is Hedera doing alongside the market? Yeah. So Hedera is a distributed ledger technology, a DLT. Uh, people sometimes say blockchain. It is the idea is that it is a way that you can have a group of computers that work together to come to agreement. And even if you don't trust any one particular computer, to be honest, as long as the group as a whole is mostly honest, you are absolutely guaranteed to get the right answers. And so it builds trust 
This is what DLTs are used for. Ledgers are used for is to build trust. And you can use it for things that need lots of trust, like cryptocurrencies, which is a new form of money, or storing files in a way that you guarantee the whole world sees the same file, guaranteed, and no one can delete it unless they're allowed to, or running little tiny programs called smart contracts. This is what ledgers do, and Hedera is a public ledger company. Public means anyone can use it, and ledger means DLT, means like a blockchain. Um, it's this distributed uh, consensus thing. Wow. So now what got you so involved? You've had quite a background, and it seems to be that you seem to see problems and want to find solutions. So what made you take that Ferrari in your head, or it could be a Lamborghini, but mixed, and, and to put your energy and focus towards Hedera? What did you see about Hedera um, of being able to solve the problems, not just problems of today, but the problems we don't know that are in the future. Yeah, well, you know, back in 2012, this problem started to to gnaw at me, which was how could we do online collaboration where people can work together and create things and uh, be able to buy and sell things and be able to create content that they share with other people and you would invite people to join you. You would carve out your own little world in cyberspace and have multiple of these worlds and have them connected and do it in a way that is completely trustworthy. You don't have to trust some server to run it all and you don't have to pay some server to run it all. You just have it distributed in a way that it can be open to the whole planet in a certain sense. And, um, you know, I thought about this. I don't know why some math problems appeal to me, but this problem appealed to me and I worked on it for a long time and I finally convinced myself it's impossible. And I set it aside. Yeah, you, you, it, you didn't give up, did you? <laughs> I don't know why, but there are some problems that just gnaw at me. There are problems I've been working on for decades. I know I will never solve Really? Them. Like what kind but of... So, by some, the way, I'll, I'll tell you that my, my uncle, uh, Dr. Plandelt, is at Illinois State University. He's real big in the world of graph theories. He's in the math department. So it sounds to me that you and him have a lot of things in common. <laughs> we probably do. I would probably enjoy a conversation <laughs> with him. Uh, graph theory is very cool. Yeah, and that's, uh, actually that's a, little, good. a little tiny bit of it is in the hash graph algorithm. Interesting. Yeah, he's got yeah. the plant hole theorem. Oh, very interesting. Okay. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. So, um, so anyway, uh, some problems just keep coming back, and I just keep having to work on them. I kept working on this one and realizing it was impossible. You, you can be faster, you can be secure, but you can't have both. That's can't, what I kept realizing. Can't have uh, we've known for 30 years how to be secure, but it's super slow. And, you know, people, there's obvious ways to make it really fast, but then it's not secure. And actually, after a year or two or whatever of working on it in 2015, I realized, wait, if we just talk to each other randomly, but you add a little tiny bit of information to each message, you get totally secure, asynchronous, Byzantine, follower tolerance, consensus for free. Wow. You don't have to do any communication at all over the internet to get the consensus. You just send your basic messages really fast, randomly to people, and add a tiny bit of information, two hashes to each message, and you get all that stuff for free. And so then, you know, I built some companies on it uh, with Mance, my business partner. So now, how do you find a way to hyper-focus when you find so many problems? Like, how do you decide, as an entrepreneur, how do you decide which problem is the first thing for you to focus on, especially when you're designing something that's never been done before? It's not like you had a roadmap to say, all right, I mean, here's how you're going to do it next. You had to figure this out as you went. So, so talk us through that. How does that process of 
when you decide or, or how you decide which one should get Lehman Baird's focus. Ah, that's the other side of it. Math problems are fun, and I work on them just because they're fun. But starting companies, you want to find what is the right market. You know, you talk about people who are ahead of their time, and then they can't really start a company because they're ahead of their time. You don't want to be that. Uh, you want to be starting the company where the world has this huge pent-up demand. There's a really, really true need for something that they don't have a solution for yet, but they are absolutely poised to use it if you can just give them a good solution. And ledgers are absolutely at that point in history right now. It is absolutely clear that everybody wants ledgers. Every big company has a blockchain group. Every big and, company. And is this, would you say, from a, oh, yeah. a, a upper mid-market companies that have $100 million in revenue, 500 where do you usually see them start to, to invest time and energy and resources into blockchain? It, yeah, sir. So every, every company that is, you know, they have thousands of employees, that kind of company, okay. uh, almost always what you find is they have a blockchain group who have been tasked with, well, look into all this blockchain stuff and tell me if there's anything to this DLT stuff. Distributed ledger technology is sort of a synonym. Um, tell me if there's anything to it. See how we can use it in our business. Convince they're me. they're all exploring it. They want you to convince yeah. them. So how do you handle that when, that's me saying and not you, that when you're the smartest, yeah. typically the smartest or one of the top smartest people in the room and, and others don't stay in their lane, how do you handle that when you're trying to explain something that hasn't been done and they come in with preconceived notions of here's the way we think it's going to be or here's what we, the research we've done. How do you deal with that? Oh, that's not the problem. What happens is that, you know, the CEO or whoever will tell this group, go off and see if blockchain is useful. And what they'll say is, generally, it's a great idea, but the current systems are too slow and they don't have good governance. They're kind of um, splitting all the time and they're not um, very fast. They're not very secure. They're not well run. And so we should just wait. And as soon as the market matures enough that we have a decent ledger we can build on, we should jump on it. And then we walk in and we say, basically, you know, we have the strongest form of security, ABFT. You don't get any stronger than that. And we have the fastest you could possibly be. We're kind of optimal in how we use bandwidth. And we have all the things you're looking for. And they just get really excited. Wow. And so now talk about the 51% attack. Is that something that Hedera will ever have to face? <laughs> yeah, actually, if the bad guys have uh, access to the internet, like firewalls and things, every ledger has a 34% attack. 34% attack, wow. Yep. Um, but, uh, but yes, if you control a large fraction of a ledger, you know, a large fraction of the nodes or of the weight or of the hashing power or of the stake or whatever, if you have control of a big fraction of these computers, then you can do something bad. The whole point of the ledger is to give you trust, assuming that you already can trust that it's not a large fraction doing something bad. And so we use something called proof of stake, which is really good for that. What you do is you say, it has to be a large fraction of the cryptocurrency being owned by nodes, by computers that want to do something bad. But as soon as they do something bad, that will destroy the network which will destroy the coins they have. Right. Credibility is gone. So, right. So the only way someone's going to be able to do something nefarious, like do a double spend, you know, buy something at Alice's store and then buy it also at Bob's store with the same coin and you get to spend it twice. 
The only way they can do that is to have all the nodes help them. But all the nodes who help them will then lose millions or billions of dollars at stake after they've destroyed the network helping them. No one's going to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like too much to go into it. So in the world yeah. that is changing and in, in the world that you are helping to change and, and innovate, where do you see the yeah. future for banks? Do you still see there as being this great opportunity or do you think much like in the, the world of I don't know, medical practice or physician practices that many of them have gone to work for large health systems that there will be a consolidation happening in the banking community? Yeah, the future of banks absolutely includes DLTs and the banks know it. They know that they need ledgers. And every bank we talk to has a group working on this and gets excited about it. In fact, the largest bank in Japan is Nomura Bank, and they are one of our council members. Wow. So Hedera is actually owned by 39 big companies running it. 39 they are big one companies. Of them. And they are, they are running um, it. So it is in their best interest to help this succeed. True. And the question is, well, why do they want to be a council member? And the, the answer is they question. see this as important in the future of banking. They think this is the future, is that cryptocurrencies are part of the future. Maybe token, um, tokenizing securities you know, is the future. Uh, doing things like, anyway, they have all sorts of things that banks want to do with ledgers. And they're excited about it. Even taking some of the friction out of the system. You know, right now it takes you, what, days to wire money to somebody? It's, it's impossible. I'm I telling you, it's so frustrating. My wife is from Stockholm, Sweden, and we have some college loans uh, that she has we pay off. And just to transfer money, the fee structure and the time it takes, and you go, why is this still happening? And those are some of the problems that, that Hedera is solving, not looking to solve, but that is solving. You're right. With us, it does not take days to wire money to someone. You can transfer HBARs and you get finality in a second. And that's fundamentally different. Yeah, that's, that's a and, big fundamental difference. Yeah. So yep. do, do you see that Hedera, uh, will you at some point in the future work with other blockchain platforms or do you think that where you guys have settled in the relationships you have that you're strong uh, where you are? Do you find that it'll be more open and allowing others to join your community? So we have a huge community building on top of us. As for working with other ledgers, um, the question is how would you want them to work together? One thing you might look at is something called an atomic swap. And that is when you wanted to say transfer H bars on our ledger and, and transfer um, Ether on Ethereum or something and have both occur at the same time. And we do that. Uh, we support that. We support the, the contract, the smart contracts that do that. So we can interoperate with other ledgers. Uh, also, other ledgers run this language, little programs in this language called Solidity. We do too. So if you write a program that runs on some other ledger, it'll also run on us. So we have interoperability that way as well. So yes, the ledgers do have interoperability with each other. Uh, but mostly when we talk to people, that isn't what they're interested in. They want to run some kind of a distributed application on the best ledger they can find. And, you know, people keep saying they want to run it off. Right. And so HBARs, well, right now on CoinMarketCap, uh, the audience, anybody out there that trades in the world of digital assets or cryptocurrency, HBARs are not currently seen. When should that change or... Was it ever designed for people like me? Oh, yeah, it is. Absolutely. So we will have open access. That's when it opens up to the world this summer. So this summer, there will be a day when we have, we'll announce it, that will be open access. Anybody can buy and sell HBARs. You can get them on exchanges. We're talking with exchanges to make sure you can get it from an exchange. You can use your credit card to get some HBARs. 
and we have a whole ecosystem of programs where you'll be able to use it. The HBAR will be useful for something. Yeah, and tell us some of those uh, ecosystems. Yeah. How are, you know, my son plays Minecraft and Roblox. Um, in this world of gaming, do you see HBARs being used in that space? Absolutely. We have a game, uh, we have several games that are building on us. I think one of them has a million users, and they're planning to have a component using us uh, right from the beginning. And I think future games can use us. We have people we're talking to about in-app purchases in games and games that use the ledger to store information or use the ledger for the payments for the micro-purchases, the in-app purchase. Uh, there are lots of different ways. I think games will be a very interesting part of the ledger community. Uh, we also have people building on us for things like storing information related to the history of the pharmaceuticals you're using. Would you like to know its history and would, did it go to factories that are And, and I'm going to actually jump right in with that because we have a special caller uh, that's calling in and we're going to be jumping into that. One of your partners uh, should be on the line. Jim, are you there? Yes. Yes. Hi. All right. So we have Jim Nasser. We also have Lehman Baird. And we were just talking about the world of pharmaceuticals and prescriptions. And, and now we have Jim on the line with us. Jim, are you still there? Jim, can you hear me? I am attempting to find better places to communicate with you. That, that's okay, Layman, uh, Layman and Jim. All right, so so Jim, we've got uh, your partner on the line, uh, Layman Bird. We were just talking about the the world of Adara Hashgraph and and what's happening and how far they are along. And tell me about the relationship that your organization has with Hedera and and, and where do you work, Jim? Sure. Yes. Uh, hello, Dustin. And Good to catch up with you again, Lehman. Um, yes, I work at an organization called Tritara. Uh, it is a uh, private business in the life sciences industry and, and supports um, pharmaceuticals mainly, but healthcare in general, I guess, to some extent. And really, we're partners with Hedera for about a year or so now, I think maybe a little bit more, and uh, very high on, on um, both the, the technology as well as the direction of the company. And, and we see it in line with our uh, our aspirations and the way we see life in general, you know, in terms of um, kind of the, the public uh, and eventually permissionless public uh, DLT, as well as the, the way uh, Hedera has gone about building their team and the technologies um, you know, that they're surfacing. Yeah, so let me ask you, Lehman, in terms of the problems that uh, Jim's organization is solving, how did this relationship come to fruition and where do you see it going? Well, <laughs> Uh, he can talk more than I can probably about how we uh, uh, got met, met each other. Like you meet at a but, like do you uh, meet at a restaurant or how do you guys like how do two titans of industry come together and decide we're going to form a partnership? Let me just answer it in general. So in general, we have lots of companies that are building on top of us, and you don't even have to talk to us if you don't want to. If you do contact us, then we help people who want to build on us. We have 80 test nets that are running that we let people use, and they can test on that, and then they'll be able to move to our main net, the real one, and they can start on the test net. And we do cross-marketing where we help people know about them and uh, other things like that. And Jim, where do you see the future of Hedera and your organization going? Where do you, where do you see this partnership? Sure, and thank you for the tightness of the industry. I hardly think that's the case. Yeah, you like that, huh? I threw that in. I was waiting for you to chuckle. Yeah, that, that was, uh, it was chuckle-worthy, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but certainly Lehman is one. Um, 
So, so really, actually, we have we have the plans, um, and we see Hedera very much really supporting those big plans. And we're our whole kind of focus is, is to build a large scale um, set of open technologies, interoperable technologies for pharma and life sciences. Uh, it's called Open Pharma. We think of it more or less as you would with iOS for an iPhone. That is a it's a platform. It's, it's an operating system. There's some native apps that we're building, but there's also the ability to extend that platform and, and build on top of it. Uh, and, and the way we look at Hedera is very much a layer. We think of it really as, as our core data transport and secure data transport and, and data collaboration layer. So um, very you know, very much kind of key to what we're doing. And you know, we're actively working with, you know, with Lehman and his team, have them for quite some time, and really very much kind of buy into this concept at that ultimately distributed computing and, and distributed computing architecture has a lot of resonance for our industry. Um, and, and then also that, that it's, it's really about uh, near, what, what we think of as a near real time experience. So, so for instance, uh, the technologies that are used in Bitcoin as an example really just don't fit the way we think about data's kind of movement, uh, transparency on data and, and and the, the way we like to surface large amount of of, uh, of data to in different transactions and, and make that available for collaboration. So all to say, that all plays very nicely into what Hedera is doing, and, and you know, we very much see them as kind of a key layer of our, our technology stack. Wow, that's great. And so, Lehman, for you, Hedera believes there yeah. are, are five fundamental obstacles to overcome before distributed ledgers can be widely accepted and adopted. Would you talk about some of these obstacles that you see uh, as you go and educate uh, people all around the world. Absolutely. And to be honest, there's more than five. There's some huge problems. But when we talk to people about why they aren't using ledgers, they say, first of all, there's no governance. They are not being controlled by uh, formally decided groups who have the ability to govern. It's usually just, well, there's a few programmers that are kind of popular, and when they get mad at each other, they split. Okay, but if you want stability, you have to have real governance. And so what we have is the council. We're going to have 39 gigantic companies spread around the world. Another problem is this spread around the world part. Some ledgers have a real problem with centralization where, you know, they're spread around the world, but almost all of them live in one country. So yeah. that's a problem. And then the government of that country could impose something on them, not us. We're spread even right now. Even the five we've mentioned already, we've announced already of our council members, are in South America and Europe and Asia and North America, they're all spread over. around the world, all over. Another problem that we have is speed. Uh, you mentioned um, a ledger that can only do, you know, seven transactions a second. That's nice. But credit cards are tens of thousands of transactions a second. So if you can only do seven a second, you really can't do tens of thousands a second. That's a problem. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an issue. That's scalability. Scalability is a real problem. So we, you know, we're already thousands and we will be growing up, um, getting even faster uh, in the very near future. Uh, we are very fast and that matters. If you want to do micropayments and you want them to be very fast, you can. Uh, so that's another part of it. Uh, another part is security. So. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of problems. The, the past two weeks have been a lot of interesting things happening, as, as everybody knows. There have been a lot of interesting things happening. Uh, including a ledger shut down for a while, uh, which is unfortunate. But it was interesting. They pointed out, 
Oh, yeah, you know what? We can, um, we can be shut down at any time if somebody does an attack on just two of our computers. If you, if you can invade a bunch of computers around the world and have them flood these yeah. two computers with messages, you can shut down our entire network for as long as you'd like. And, and they admit it. And they don't have an easy fix for it. And I think that's always amazing how people continue to invest into those assets. And so let me ask you, this is more of the rumor for the Dustin Planet has in my head, that it seems to be, as I draw this, the other day I was writing this down, that what did the the Tether incident and the Binance hack and the Bitstamp debacle, what do they all have in common? And that is somebody lost a lot of money. Somebody went after Binance to take the money. Someone then had to do a sale order to cover their tracks to then make more money to pay themselves back, that it seems to be that at the moment, again, this is my own theory, that the three have to be, and they have to be connected. Do you, from your lens looking, do you think this was just pure coincidence, or is there something connecting all three? (laughs) It may be coincidence. Uh, What's connecting all three is human nature, the nature of technology, and the nature of um, people don't do a good job of their keys secure and of making sure there's no bugs in their software. All right, that's good to know. I thought this was a planned coup, and I yep. went, wow, am I ne- is the Dustin plan yeah. old Coinbase account next? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Um, it's interesting, though. I was talking about another threat that you didn't even mention, which is can somebody just shut down the whole network? Can somebody do that, that? That doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, it does. So, um, you know, recently there was a network that did shut down for a couple hours, and uh, Fortunately, no one noticed because no one was actually using it. But in the long term, when these ledgers actually become a central part of the planet's economy, if it shuts down for a few hours and no one can transfer anything for a few hours, that would be disastrous. Absolutely. Shouldn't happen. Can't happen. Right. Exactly. And so how does, yeah, how do you prevent that from happening? And to me, by the way, I am very, I have a lot of respect for, for leaders and you are not a follower, you're a leader who says, we will not run out until it's ready. We will not launch until it's ready because it is Lehman Baird's reputation on the line. It is your name on the line. You're the one convincing people. I mean, think of this, Lehman, 39 different council members that you probably had to convince one at a time. How do you do that? How do you get people to buy you and stand by you when others seem to be moving faster and, and you're moving smart? I understand. Um, so we already have our first 10 council members, and we will build it up to 39, and the 10 are huge names. We've only announced five of them, but we have another, another few that we haven't announced yet. Why are they willing to go with us? Partially because of the good governance, but also partially for things like, how do you not shut down the network? Turns out there's a math solution for that. It's been known for decades. It's called asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance. It's just this math proof. And so we actually have an algorithm that's proven to be ABFT. No one is, is that. Nobody is ABFT in this market. Now, why no do you one. think that is? Is it someone doesn't think like you or your team, or they cut corners to go quickly to market? It's because it is not obvious that it is even possible to be fast with ABFT algorithms. ABFT algorithms just look incredibly slow. And that was, that was you know, what we ended up finding, is that there's a way to do it really, really fast. But we didn't compromise on security. Wow. And so one of the things of the market, uh, and I, Jim, you're, you're on the line as well. I'm going to read this so you guys can tell me your thoughts is uh, reading that Starbucks is going to be using cryptocurrency, at least some point in the future. Uh, but Bitcoin, Bitcoin's capacity for scalability and its relatively high fees, especially with regard to microtransactions, make this challenging. 
Would Hedera's Hashgraph system, because of its scalability features, be appropriate for businesses like Starbucks? And if that's the case, do we see you working with many retailers and leading organizations around the world in the next six months, a year, 24 months, and the roadmap? Absolutely. The HBARs make sense if you're going to buy a $3 cup of coffee. They even make sense if you would want to have a new model of micropayments, truly micropayments, like you pay a tenth of a cent to read an article on a web page, which means you could have sites that give you videos and uh, audio and you know, listen to songs and you can read articles at little tiny payments, and it wouldn't have to be advertiser supported, and they wouldn't have to spy on you. What an incredible model. And You're he, telling me they don't know that I want to do a Travelocity trip? Like, how do they find everything out about me, Lehman? Every day I get a new email saying, how did you know I was thinking that? I know, it's terrible. Um, the short answer is it's a standard in our industry. We all sign, you know, we always click the I agree to your agreement that I've never read. Yeah, I never Everybody read Everybody does that. All I right. do that. You're telling me, I Lehman Bird, does Jim Nasser, Jim, you're on the line. Do you click those buttons or do you deny it? <laughs> yeah, Jim's like, Dustin, I got 87 unsubscribe emails today. <laughs> I take the fifth on this one, Dustin. Oh, yes. that's good. All right, you, you give him, yeah. going forward, everybody, we're going to give Lehman's email address and send everything to him. <laughs> <laughs> There's no. a Lehman why Lehman is Lehman. So. That's, that's funny. <laughs> but I just uh, want to say, though, that the idea of the micropayments is a really important one. And in fact, we are very much, the farmer, very much going down this path as well, where, as an example, you could, for instance, in our that technology can anonymize clinical trial data, where you could anonymize just one data set for one transactional micropayment. So, you know, as opposed to reading an article, you could have a transactional uh, kind of, uh, you, you could have a transactional user experience. Yeah. And then we just deduct a, a very small unit of payment from your wallet. And we see that as being a, a way of, of basically having a frictionless business for us and, and, and engaging you know, in, in these yeah. transactional ways where you're still a customer. It's not like you're just kicking the tires, but you're not making a monthly commitment or an annual commitment like this. Wow. That, yeah, I love that model. Th that's that's a great model. So, well, Lemon, why is it in a world where Lyft or Uber drivers, they have to wait a day to get paid or two or three and then pay fees? Uh, is there a model by which at some point we should be able to just pay the driver? Uh, even a micropayment like, wouldn't be yeah. needed to be more than that, but when do you see this taking place? When do you see that there will be this evolution where it will stimulate the economy in return? Yeah, it will stimulate the economy. Anytime you disintermediate and you get rid of the middleman, it makes the whole economy more efficient and it makes the driver happier and the customer happier. It is really a win all the way around. And we will be seeing that extremely soon. Yes, you could, you could get into your Uber equivalent if someone builds something like a distributed Uber and as you step out of the car, your phone pays that driver, and he now has it within a few seconds of when you stepped out of the car. Wow. What about and what about payroll? Yeah. What about payroll? Like, why is do we? Why in the United States? And I'm not picking on any other countries. Well, my wife is from Sweden. Why is it in the U.S. we have to get we get paid every two weeks or every week? Why isn't there a model by which you could get paid by the minute or get paid by the hour? Do you see that something that will be coming to the payroll sector? And hopefully Hedera would be bringing it along? Absolutely. Why don't we do it today? Because every transfer costs a lot. You know, a wire may cost you 30 bucks. 
But if you really only turn that's to the a cartel, tiny by the way, the yeah, that's like the old day of the bells yeah. controlling the market. Exactly. We can charge you a fraction of a cent to transfer the money. And if we're doing that, well, you could pay your employees every day. You could pay them every hour. Why not? Wouldn't that be a better model? You There's no less resent. Yeah. You, you exactly. get paid as you work. It could be for every every second, every minute, your account seems to grow. But I think there's this feeling of a little bit of this nanny state that we have to we have to protect people from spending their own money. I, as a millennial, being 35 on the upper edge, say, well, why can't I get my money now? Why do I have to wait three days for it or five days? Or why do I have to wait till the account has $50 or $100? from Ledger to, to transfer myself as a as a finder's fee, referral fee. Why isn't this yeah. thing moving faster when the problem exists right now? Exactly. And isn't it insane? We have an internet that lets you see everything on the internet within seconds, and yet you have to take days to get some money, but the money is just ones and zeros. How is that any different from a cat video? That's right. The answer is it's not. It's not. And one of the things no, that, no I, that one of the things I found fascinating right. about about your platform and especially the the launch phase one and now launch phase two of the community testing program is that I, I am an early adopter. I like to support innovation as an entrepreneur uh, that I could read throughout the, the blog. I can watch videos and I could earn. So you're teaching me about the you're teaching me about blockchain. You're teaching me about distributed ledger. You're teaching me about the industry and you're rewarding me for it. And to find out on the back end of it, not only are you teaching me and rewarding me with, with the H bars, but now we are helping to, to be the early adopters innovators, which will hit the market and do these micropayments. So on the micropayment side, do you see the Googles of the world, the sponsors of the world running to this model, or do you think this will ultimately hurt Google's revenue sharing? Yeah. So there are a number of companies right now that have everything built on advertising. Uh, and we are proposing a different model. And the current companies are all built on spying on their customers. You know, the old saying, if you're not paying for their service, then you're not the customer, you're the product. Correct. You are the thing that is being sold to the advertisers. You're kidding me. They're selling Dustin Planet's personal data? Jim, tell me it ain't so. <laughs> Jim would I'm never sure allow that, Jim. I know. Yeah, don't so, hold your breath, Dustin. <laughs> I'm telling you, world. I tell you, pharma guys, what, what is this all about? So here's the deal. First of all, there has to be a way for someone to start a competing company that doesn't sell your data. There has to be some other ways to monetize. If they're going to stay in business, they have to have a way of making money. So you could say, well, you could charge a $10 a month subscription for something. The problem is there's too many somethings in the world. And I'm not going to sign up for 100 different $10 a month subscriptions. That would be $1,000 a month. Yeah. So what you really need is a form of micropayments built into the browser itself. By the way, we have that. And during our testing program, people are using that and getting rewarded for using it. The browser itself can pay a fraction of a cent for every page you read if you want it to. It's, it's incredible, by the way. As, as one, again, somebody that is in the test program myself, it is a phenomenal way to reward those who create content. Yep. So, by having created this, have we solved the problem of social media spying on you? Of course not. Oh, come on. Jim, Jim, do something you. about it. You, you fix this problem. Lehman's fixing a math problem. <laughs> but the thing <laughs> is, if you create the ability for such companies to exist, then they will. And I think companies will either spring up to take advantage of the fact that people actually want some privacy. Yeah. Or the giants right now will change their business model to let you have some privacy. 
I could guess which of those two outcomes is more likely. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So One who, of those will happen. Yeah. So who do you see right now as being, I'm going to say, Lehman Baird's, Hedera, Jim's, who is the biggest enemy to our community right now? I think the enemy is just the immaturity of the, of the community and of the, the whole market. Uh, we're at the beginning of something very big. Uh, like how really how big? Like right now, I think the market cap, Jim, tell me if I'm wrong. It was having around 240 some, 240 some billion earlier. Jim, is that right? Was I right on the money? Uh, I have to take a word for it. I haven't looked for a while. Come on, Jim. You, I know you got on your iWatch. <laughs> yes, I do, but I don't track it that closely. To me, though, the big issue right now is, is a noise versus signal problem. Right, because I think there's a tremendous amount of noise. As there is, uh, and, and then what happens is that, yeah, you know, and I think we, we we get, you know, instead of thinking strategically, instead of taking action where, you know, we can see a path forward, we're hung up on, on so many things that I think either are going to evolve and, and mature, just like the internet technologies did, or they're just going to fall away, you know, and, and then this kind of being fixated by you know the ups and downs of the consumer currency market and, and philosophical conversations about, you know, what one cryptocurrency is, is actually kind of, you know, useful for or whatever. I think that largely misses the point of, of the, the real kind of ideas, the thinking, uh, like, for instance, the idea of a market payment and how you could use it and where you could use it and, and how you could perhaps evolve your business model. So to me, I see a lot of noise with the signal to, um, scenarios happening yeah that's a great right way of, great way of putting it. And, and Lehman the, the 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 immaturity of the market today that one person or a group of people can spark it when utility finally is the driving factor do you see the market going from where it is right now 250 to where do you see uh cryptocurrency going ultimately digital asset do you see this thing being a, a trillion dollars a five trillion or ten trillion where's the the Lehman bird you've done the math where do you see it going oh the scale can absolutely be what you're thinking. There are sovereign countries that are looking at ledgers as to become their national currency. There are people talking about tokenizing basically the entire stock market and tokenizing rare art and wine and real estate. We're talking about bringing the entire world into the world of ledgers. So, you know, how many trillion dollars is the entire GDP of the planet? That's the kind of things that might touch ledgers at some point along the way. Um, so asking what the, what the value of ledgers would be is sort of like asking what would the value of the Internet be? Um, yeah, it probably has some value. Priceless. In many ways, priceless. So uh, I know you're not a, a stock advisor or a financial advisor. You're a mathematician. But um, as I tell a number of the people in our audience around the world that anytime you are looking to, to secure your own future, make sure that you add digital assets because it can be a way of creating generational wealth. Uh, and the utility aspect, you, you won't have to transfer it back to traditional fiat. And let me ask you about that. One of the things that I see about stable coins, while I know they give one group of people a peace of mind, the other side is, well, what do you think happens if that country collapses? It, and don't say it can't happen. It happened to the Roman Empire. They, they never beat themselves. They kind of collapsed because of how big they were and how spread out. Do you see the community or do you see hbar going hbar is going forward of being tied to any stable coin or will the market ultimately dictate the rate because from my opinion the market should decide what it's worth not one country or one government's could even be a regime that could make a decision that could change or impact everything 
Yeah. No, no, we're not a stable coin. We have no intention of tying to a stable coin. Uh, so the market will decide what it decides. That's, no, that's really, fantastic. The H bars are useful. Right. No, no. Uh, the H bars are useful. They are what let you use the network and they are what keep the network secure because it's a proof of stake system and the market will do what it does. And, sure. and as the way the, the market should react any other way, I think we'd agree. Yeah. And Jim, we'd agree is it would be market manipulation. Yeah, we have no intention yeah. of doing any market manipulation. Right? Great. All right. Well, I've got one more question because you said, Dustin, you get 12 and all. Uh, so I'm going to throw one more question at you uh, and I'm going to let uh, Jim throw a question at you. So my final question, you've told me a lot about where you've been and what you're doing. I want to know in your world or in your life, this is the, the life part of lifestuff.com and life's tough. You could be tougher. Who's been your rock? Like life's tough, but dot, dot, dot is tougher. Who was the toughest person that Layman Baird knows or, or knew, or who was the person that helped you along your way in your journey? Well, I'll tell you, Man Harmon has been a business partner for 20 years. We've been starting companies together for 20 years. Uh, for the five or six years before that, we were doing research together. And uh, he has been a great partner in all of these things. Uh, his kids call me their uncle. His eldest son is named Lehman. Oh, that's so this that's is, pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, he has been a really good partner in all of this. And he's the co-founder also of Federa. And uh, um, it has been a good partnership. Wow. All right. So, Jim, uh, final question you have for, for your partner, Lehman, or even for myself? Uh Wow, so many questions. Uh, so, Lemon, just a quick question for you. So, I regard you and your team a little bit of, a, I, I guess, if you like, an old school team. Um, not very typical of the cryptocurrency space. Uh, is that intentional? Is, is that you know, was that something that you and Nance decided? This is that's our a great question. Kind of uh, the core value, the core value that we're going to project, or was it just the way you guys were, and, and that's how you built the team? You know, we are very different from everything else in this space. Our, our goal has been at every point to do things the right way. And I don't mean just morally or just technically. Technically, we have been trying to find what is the best way of doing each thing we do. Uh, one of our, our um, values of the company that we've been trying to do is to hire people who will try to do the right thing. We try to not plan for the short term we're building a hundred year company we try to not company. cut corners that's great we want a company that will last for a hundred years yes it's quite a legacy oh, here, okay here's an example every ledger has founders to get some coins we've tied up our coins so they dribble out over a seven year period in fact three quarters of them come after the fifth year this is not a pump and dump scam that is okay, not a pump not and dump scam that, that is very far from we're about to become really really wealthy guys i'm so excited exactly and that has never been our goal our goal has been to build something of value that does things the right way. And all the way across the board, we've tried to find that. We try to be honest. We try to be open. We try to not, never be misleading. And we're trying to perceive what is the best path, what is the best way to build a ledger and to run a company and to deal with each other. That has always been our goal. That That is quite a legacy. So. Uh, the, to, to leave you guys with this, the phase two of the community testing program started last week. Can you tell us what that is, Lehman? Yeah. So in phase one, we let people use our network. I know we have a bunch of people using our test nets. We have 80 test nets that lots of companies are using right now and lots of individuals are using, but we have a main net. The main net launched last summer. Last December, we had a first phase of testing. We let 5,000 people come onto the main net 
try it out, try the micropayments and so on. I was one of those. Thank now, you for letting me in. Oh, were you really? Back in December. How cool. Okay. And now we started phase two. So phase two, we're allowing people to come in and earn HBAR by testing out the network. You can test out the uh, browser extension that allows you to surf the web and you know, pay a little bit to each read each article. Uh, and we have, we'll be rolling out over time. Other things like smart contracts is a really cool one where you buy stars. It's, it's really kind of cool. Um, fake stars. We don't actually sell stars. But we show you a map of the galaxy. You get to buy the stars and they have prices. And it's just a fun app. Uh, but we have various things that you'll be testing as part of the test program. And phase two is not just for ordinary people to test the main net. We also have a component where if developers want to test on the test net and write their own programs and run them on the test net, they can earn HBARs for that, too. So we have an earning program on both the test nets and the main net. And um, on the main net, you know, just download the wallet on your phone, and you can um, send the HBARs, and you can try things out, and you get paid for trying things out uh, for testing our network. So wow. that's what I'm excited about. Wow. Just started that's, a week ago, that, that's pretty, Yeah, well, I finished that. And your team, I got to tell you, one day I'm hoping that I can come and, and visit your team in person because you've got, yeah. uh, you've got Christian Hasker, uh, Andy Grant, You've got a phenomenal team. They, they've helped. Uh, there were some questions that I had uh, last week regarding the second test phase. They came through immediately. It, it seems to me that that the way Hedera has been designed is for me in mind. And that is something that is different than most, if not all, of these blockchain technologies that were developed for maybe the banks in mind or, or for the big industries that you almost designed it to be, well, for Dustin Planel to go on a website and and I could just click a box to support somebody that, that inspires me. Has that always been your mission that you want to help everybody, not just one select group of people? Yes, absolutely. We are really committed to making this easy to use. I haven't even talked about many of the things we're doing to be easy to use, so that anybody can use it. I want my grandmother to be able to use it. This should be for everyone. We want people to be able to use this in the third world where you don't even have access to infrastructure. But if you have a smartphone, you could access this and you could use it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we want this to be truly useful for giant enterprises that need something absolutely rock solid with super uh, performance. We absolutely want to do both because we want to be an infrastructure for the whole planet. That's the goal. Wow. Well, that's very exciting. Well, uh, Layman, I thank you very much for allowing myself and the Life's Tough community and the digital asset community around the world to get to know you and get to know your story and get to know all about Hedera Hashgraph. And Jim, thank you for calling in. Uh, thank you for telling us about the relationship that you have with Hedera and, and how you guys are also innovating and bringing new things to the market that have not been done before. So remember everybody, life's tough, but Mance Harmon is tougher. Well, I'd like to thank Layman Baird for joining us on Life's Tough, You Could Be Tougher. And again, we'd like to thank our newest sponsor, CloudIvis.com. You may well know that companies have long struggled to deliver IT applications and services efficiently. Many are deciding to use the cloud to solve these challenges, many of the challenges that Lehman Bird just brought up. Unfortunately, many of today's leading cloud providers are just enriching themselves, while their customers are only getting bad cases of buyer's remorse. Now it's time to reimagine the cloud with CloudIvis the platform that enables you to own the cloud and sell off your idle resources through our unique blockchain marketplace, exchange and community portal. We call it the People's Cloud. Own your environment and never lose control again. 
Start your free trial today by visiting us at www.cloudivus.com. That's C-L-O-U-D-I-V-U-S.com. Life's tough, but the cloud doesn't have to be. It's been terrific to have this fascinating conversation with our special guest, Lemon Bird of Herdera Hashgraph. So that wraps up our show for this evening. Thanks again to Lehman Baird for making this another outstanding episode of Life's Tough. And thanks to you, our amazing audience, for making the Life's Tough podcast one of the most relevant and fastest growing shows around. Also, a special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life's Tough's cheap writer and my Sherpa. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. And each time I hear someone's personal account, I do not frame it as something that was more horrible than my own story or something that was not as bad as what I went through. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience. To the person who lived it, that story can seem just as devastating as any other. I ask you to use your story to give others hope. It's quite liberating to move beyond your past. Don't keep your story to yourself and allow it to eat away at you. Instead, consider how your experience can benefit somebody else. Your story may be just what it takes to help someone in your circle or in our community, to get through a tipping point moment, an instance when that person either chooses to continue to be a victim or when that person finds the strength to transcend a particular situation. Please subscribe to our show. Visit lifestuff.com, L-I-F-E-S-T-O-U-G-H.com. And be sure to join us every week, same time, same place, for a stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Remember, everyone has a story. Life's tough, but Mance Harmon is tougher. Thanks for listening and have a great week. So for the entire Life's Tough team, this is Dustin Planelt signing off. Remember, life's tough, but Mance Harmon is tougher.